There was once a man, and he desired to see which of his servants would be faithful. To one he gave five thousand dollars, to the next he gave two thousand, and to the last a thousand dollars. For some, they would not look on this as an uh, they would look on this as unequal, or maybe a sense of disbelief that all three servants didn't get equal bonuses. But as we will find out, God is the man giving the servants what he feels reflects their experience and faithfulness. The key to this story is what did the men do with what God gave them? Today, we welcome you to Faith, Life, and Inspiration with Timothy Andes. Today, we will be discussing the topic of understanding biblical stewardship changes everything. It does. It changes everything when we understand biblical stewardship. The reality is that many people today, including lots of Christians, don't understand the true meaning of stewardship, and that is a tragedy. Why? Because stewardship is our ultimate calling as Christ's followers. And God has called us to this great calling. And he's entrusted us with so much. So my question to you is, when you think of stewardship, what comes to mind? Maybe it's fundraising, or a capital campaign, possibly taking care of the environment maybe. Or maybe you think it's just a stale old word that you've seen in history books. Maybe, if you're even being honest, you're not really sure what it means. The, real, the reality is that many people today, including lots of Christians, don't understand the true meaning of stewardship. And we want to discuss that today. Because, again, stewardship is our ultimate calling as a follower of Christ. In the f it's the first assignment that God gave the human race, if we were to look at Genesis 1 verse 28. That's when God told Adam and Eve that to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. They were to have dominion over that, or stewardship, or management. And Adam and Eve were simply um, created by God for his creation, which... All things have been created by God, um, and we are just His own. Uh, he's the owner, and we are the managers. And um, if you look into the Bible, stewardship, um, the the main verse that you can find that talks about it is Psalms 24, verse 1, that and it says that He talks about how He owns it all. And it says in Psalms 24, verse 1, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So to get that biblical um, view of stewardship, we need to understand that God owns all things um, and that we are simply, stewardship is managing God's blessings, God's ways for God's glory. Uh, the And if we're his and if he's the owner, and that means we're not, instead we're his stewards, his managers, God commands us to be stewards over everything he blesses us with. Everything. Not just some things, but in all areas of our lives. That means our time, our talents, our treasures, our relationships, our jobs, and yes, even stuff that we have accumulated. It's all God's, and he has trusted us with it. Stewardship is managing that uh, blessing from God and then using it for his glory in the kingdom of God. Um, did you catch that? We get to manage all of the creator's stuff. How awesome is that? 
it's both an honor but it can all it's also as we'll talk about later today a serious responsibility when we get that in our spirit well it'll change our whole outlook on life and view of who owns things that we say are ours so that will be what we'll be discussing today and I hope that your spirit will be able to change as a believer and that your view or understanding of true biblical stewardship can dra um, drastically be uh, all altered today um, and that you'll ask the Lord to maybe change your uh, view of it so that you are um, managing God's blessings for his glory. So we can get when we get it in our spirit that the changing our perspective on stewardship um, it can really change our trajectory of our lives and the decisions that we make and if, uh, it can change our perspective on our family budgets our daily decisions even our purpose in our life and when we understand it we can help build a legacy of stewardship in our families uh, we approach the way we approach our work the way we treat others uh, is all a part of showing um, God how grateful we are um, with what He's given us, and we live. And when He sees that we live within our means, and we have more money to, and we start to give more, we have a hope for the future that we can create for others um, and our future generation that they can see that it's not all about us, but it's using what God's given us to be a blessing to others. Um, with what he's given and making sure our children understand that God is the one that blesses and gives and takes away as he said in Job and whether he gives or takes away we still bl um, bless his name I'm here to tell you that um, also to reclaim the word stewardship in in your life I um, we want to do that but it's up to us all of us to make sure that every believer understands God's role as owner and our role as a steward. We get to heaven and we all have to give our own account of how we've managed God's resources. And that's found in 1 Corinthians 4.2. And I hope God will reply to all of us, well done, good and faithful servant. I know that's what uh, your desire is, is that you would be found faithful to God's service on this earth. And though we are passing through, we are a lighthouse, we are the ones that can open the door for someone to receive Christ, because we are Christ's hands and feet. And that brings a great responsibility on us as parents or young adults that are in college, the universities, to be that light. We have to uh, remain different. We can't blend in and be the same. We must remember that we are God's sons and daughters, and through that kind of relationship that you have as a father with a son, or father and or mother with a daughter, um, as you, your son or daughter grows, they will sh they will be entrusted more, and you will be able to give them more responsibilities as they grow older. You don't just give your children. Um, everything when they're young but they have to work for it they have to learn the value of work they have to um, find out that God is the one that's blessed a family and he blesses those that um, gives themselves and that they uh, do their part and give their energies and time and resources for his glory as a teacher it's the same um, when your students show that they can do quality work on a consistent basis it creates this confidence in your in the student that they've proven themselves that um, over time that 
they can be entrusted with extra work or um, their work can be used as an example for um, to other students for high quality and their as teacher can ha actually have confidence without even looking on their work that it's a good example for other kids to follow um, or have them lead and help lead something because they've shown that they also have the ability to do things without um, um, assistance and that's become going into in being independent and as believers we all are independent but at the same time we are dependent on the Lord Jesus to help us in our lives um, in our daily decisions and not forgetting that he is our Heavenly Father and he has created this trust and as we build that trust with him he will um, have more confidence in us that we will do what he exactly what he would want done in our lives and not us um, interjecting our own thoughts or our own ideas of what we want uh, one man famous man C.S. Lewis once said about Stuart the subject of stewardship every faculty you have your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given to you by God so everything we do is given by God if you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively just to his service just serving God doing things for him you could not give him anything that was not in a sense his own already so that sense of understanding that God has done everything he owns everything um, so if we were to be of service our whole lives, you couldn't give him anything that was not already his. God's given life. Um, he's given so much. So there's not this, there shouldn't be this, oh, I need to be working so many years to show God that I'm faithful. No, God just wants us to be faithful in the little things, as it says in the scripture, and then he will bless us with more or uh, much down the road as he sees us being faithful and good stewards in the little smaller things of life so that question i posed earlier what does stewardship look like in our lives today that's a question i want you to just think about right now what does it look like in your life because it's different for people whether you're single whether you're a young person um, or even just a child like in my elementary grade two three class we talked this week our word for the week was stewardship and I told them really in your lives there's only a few things that God's given you stewardship of since you're younger but you want to be faithful in those and the two things I talked about with them was that they have the ability to be a steward of their time and we talked about like getting jobs done in class and working hard and staying faithful in class um, and at school and then also they have uh, the ability to be a steward of their f friends and that's a big one and the younger a child can recognize qualities in their friends that they want or don't want um, that better off they will be later on the road when they have to make hard decisions and maybe walk away from friendships or relationships that are not that are hindering their faith or um, causing them to make um, decisions that they would have once thought unthinkable. Um, for me, the definition that I came up with or thought about um, in the subject of stewardship, how what it looks like in our lives, is I believe it's where the concept of faith, work, and the economics come together, they intersect. And there's four important principles that I would like to talk about 
um, today about biblical stewardship to help us understand it. So we're just going to break it down a little bit more into uh, these four principles of stewardship. So I hope that this next part will be a blessing. Quickly, we're going to have an ad from um, for, with Mint Ad. I have um, um, sponsored them on my show so far. Um, it's free, a free app that you can have. It it helps you to budget and manage. Um, whatever God's given you, whether that's $500 a month or $15,000 a month, um, God still requires his uh, servants or his sons and daughters to be faithful stewards with whatever God's entrusted them. So I'd encourage you to go on to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the Mint app today. Check it out. You can set up goals. You can um, work your way out of debt. Um, you can um, know where every dollar's going, um, and set up good habits that your children will be able to see how you are getting control of your finances, and then you can be uh, a blessing to others. So I encourage you to get the app. Um, look it up on the App Store or Google Play Store. It's called Mint, and download it today. So here's our four principles. The first one we're going to speak about is the principle of ownership. And that goes back to the psalmist when he begins Psalms 24 with, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's, a, it's the Lord's. So right at the beginning in Genesis, like I said earlier, um, God put Adam to work. And he made him a manager of everything he created. And Adam actually had a huge responsibility, and that was to name all the animals. And uh, the word stewardship or um, is also a caretaker. And Adam was a caretaker in the garden that God had created. Um, and that at that time was the world. And um, Adam and Eve lived there, and they were being entrusted with a great responsibility, and that was to take care um, or be a caretaker of what God had given. And it's clear that man was created to work, and that the work is the stewardship of all the creation that God has given him. So it's our responsibility as stewards to manage this earth well. And that kind of goes into uh, environment or recycling, which I'm a firm believer in recycling. Me and my wife do it in the States, even though it's not required. Um, in Canada, it's really awesome. They actually give a little incentive for you to recycle and um, um, a little bit of money, which my class has been doing over this year. We've talked a lot about recycling, how it's good for the environment. Uh, it can be, things can be reused. Um, and that goes back to stewardship. And so without even knowing it, this whole year we've been laying a principle for our students um, on, on this stewardship and that whatever God has put in the earth, we should be good stewards of it. We talked last week about pollution, the effects of pollution in our environment on our world today and how we can have effects um, picking up garbage just little things picking up garbage on the side of the street helping a neighbor um, carrying their groceries so many different things that we can be a good caretaker and when God sees us being a faithful caretaker of little things or things that maybe um, he's just wanting to see our reaction to then he will make us responsible for more um, so this first principle of uh, uh, ownership um, that God owns everything and that we're simply uh, his manager simply managers or administrators that are acting on his behalf is very key to understanding that 
It's nothing that we have done. It's all what God has done for us. And he's placed us under uh, control of different uh, things. So whether it's a lot or little, we just have to be faithful in what he's committed to us. And stewardship is committing oneself and possessions to God's service. And that's another part of the definition of stewardship committing oneself and possessions to God's service so if you if you have a vehicle you can look at that vehicle and say how can I use this for God's service you have a house maybe it's having people so maybe you have a house and uh, maybe it's having people over and being hospitable because God is the one that actually has given you that house um and recognizing it's not our own merits that we've been given control of properties or even ourselves, but it's our Heavenly Father. And He's the one that's given us the ability to have control over these things. Another scripture in Deuteronomy 8.17, it says, And thou say in thy heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. And if you were to read that one verse by itself, it kind of sounds like, um, I've done, it's all, uh, very, uh, self-centered, and, um, I've done this, and I've gotten this by my own hand, I have been able to build this wealth, but, um, when you echo, or when you read that verse, that is what it sounds like, that you produce this by your own strength, but if you read the very next verse, Deuteronomy 8, 18 it says it counsels you actually the opposite it says remember the lord your god for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth so knowing that god is the one that actually gives the strength he's the one that supplies the ability to then gain um wealth or to gain prosperity um it's not anything that we've done. It's only by God's grace and mercy that he has given a believer that they can even go out and get a job or that they can work. So changing your view that God is the one that actually has given us. And when you have that view that God's the one that's given us, you take better care of it. You um, are more thankful for it. And these are all qualities that should be in believers of being thankful and having a deeper uh reality check of what is God trying to do with what he's given me. So the bottom line for this first principle is your heart will change when you view everything as being God's and not yours. Your heart will change. It'll go from looking at yourself to looking more on others' needs. This principle of ownership deals with the materialistic age that we live in today. And this and it is so true. So many people are always thinking, what's the next thing I can get? What's the next thing? But if you're in your heart, you have this shift that God is the owner. If you lose something or have things taken away from you and you understand this principle, God won't be the sen the one that you go and blame as or that you lose faith in but you can actually lean on him and trust him knowing that he's working out everything for your good because you're a son or daughter of God and that's so so true just to know that God's in control um and that he's doing everything for in his perfect time and in his perfect will the second principle is the principle of responsibility and I've kind of already alluded to it 
that although God gives us all things richly to enjoy, noth nothing is ours. Nothing really belongs to us. God owns everything, but we're responsible for how we treat it and what we do with it. Well, we complain about our rights here on earth, and many people do. The Bible constantly asks, what about your responsibility? Owners have rights. Stewards have responsibilities. So the owners have rights, and we as the stewards have the responsibilities to take care of what God has given us. We are called as God's stewards to manage that which belongs to God. While God has graciously, graciously entrusted us with the care, development, and enjoy, enjoyment of everything he, he owns as his stewards, we are responsible to manage his holdings well and according to his desires and purpose. So as a parent, I take that as a personal responsibility. I now have a child, a young son or daughter, and if you're listening, if you have children or maybe you don't have children yet, it's a great responsibility that you have to take care of that child and raise them up with the right principles and guiding principles. And that's why I'm doing this. And down the road, my son Titus can, or my other children that I might have can listen to um, what, what I have to say about stewardship and apply those things to their lives because they know that that's what I value. And a minister recently at the church I attend um, mentioned this value um, system that we have and that we have to have these values in place. And stewardship is something I highly value and that I believe is a key for a believer, but it's not often talked about, to developing character, to mold to um, molding us and shaping us into who God wants to be, we must have this reality check that God has entrusted us with so much, are we being responsible with what he's given? So that's a question I would have you place in your heart. We shouldn't look for more, but thank God for what he's given, is really the prayer that we should have as believers. Thank God for what he's given us, and if he gives us more, we just say praise God, bless his name, and we continue to hold up the the banner of, and have responsibility um, as we see God blessing us. So the bottom line for this second principle of responsibility is if a person lives for themselves, God will not bless that in individual. Take for example Job. God trusted Job, Job so much that he blessed him and knew that he would be responsible with what God had given him and that he would stay true to him um, and his walk with God. So God tested Job and let the devil um, bring all sorts of plagues and take all that he had, it seemed God had given him, and that didn't change his relationship with Job one bit. Job still trusted God and had faith remaining strong through the trials, through family members telling him to give up. He didn't quit, and that's a key. Never quit, never give up. God's always doing something behind the scenes for your good. You might not recognize it at the time, but you can look back down the road and say, God was trying to teach me something. And this character that was shown from him, a faithfulness and taking responsibility for what God had entrusted Job with, is something that we as believers, we want to have and take to heart. That this is a great responsibility we have, but we can do it with the strength and power that God gives us. The third principle of stewardship is accountability. 
A steward is one who manages the possessions of others, of another person. We are all stewards of the resources and the abilities and the opportunities that God entrusts to our care. And one day, each of us will be called to give an account of how we have managed what the Master has given. So, we have a great accountability to our Master, to our Heavenly Father, and going back to that story of the Lord or or God who gave three servants different amounts of talents, God entrusted those men because he had seen the work they had done and he knew what they would do with it already because he he knew their work ethic, he knew their um the way that they managed their time. And he knew that one of them, the third one, wasn't going to do anything. He was actually afraid to do anything with what God had given us. And as believers, we can't be afraid, but we need to recognize what has God placed in our lives or in my life that I can use for God's kingdom. And I need to multiply that for the kingdom of God. And God entrusts authority over creation to us. And we are not allowed to rule over it as we, fee- as we see fit. But we are called to exercise our dominion under the watchful eye of the Creator, managing His creation in accordance with the principles that He has established. So like the servants in the parables of the talents, we will be called to give an account of how much... Um, we have administered everything we have given, including our time, our money, our abilities, information, our relationships, and even authority that we have. We will all give account to the rightful owner as to how well we have managed the things he entrusted to us. So the bottom line for this third principle is, what are we doing with what God has given us? That's the question. So look at your hands. And as I do many times and say, God, what can I do with these hands that you have given me? Look at your feet and say, God, where would you have me go this week? Um, that's what I do many times in, in prayers. Ask the Lord, guide my feet, guide my hands. It will change your perspective from your own will to focusing on what God wants for you. And it's so awesome to know that you're walking in God's will. Um, so let's be accountable to God. Let's use our time well. Let's make good um, decisions on friendships, on our money. Let's be accountable to what God is, be accountable to God for what He's given to us. May we be able to say, I've been faithful, I've I've done my best, and um, here is what I've done. And um, it's all the glory, remember, is for God. It's not in ourselves. It's We give all glory to the Lord. Um, the fourth principle is the principle of reward. Um, in stewardship and if you want to turn to Colossians three twenty three verse 24 we will read that so in Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 and 24 Paul writes whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving so this is a very key principle here that God does have a reward for his children, but it's not now. It's that delayed gratification. You're going to wait for it. And that's the, every hope for a believer. We're waiting for the rapture. That's our great reward. Um, but whatever you do, we want to do it with all our hearts. So while we're on this earth, we want to do everything that we can 100%. I always tell my kids in my in my um, class in grade 2-3, we want to do everything 
to our 100% ability. doesn't matter if you get a B or an A or a C even. As long as you tried and gave your all, you did your put your all into it. Um, you're not trying to please your teacher is what I tell them. You're trying to do uh, your best work. And then if God was right there with you, he would be, which he is, he, he would smile upon what you're doing. And he would have... Um, a great love for what you're doing, the decisions that you're making, your actions are pleasing Him. The Bible uh, shows up, shows us in the parables of the kingdom that faithful stewards who do the Master's will with the Master's resources can ex expect to be rewarded incompletely in this life, but fully in the next. We should, we all should long to hear the Master say. Uh, what he said in Matthew twenty five twenty one: Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And many people don't understand that. We many many and most people start off with very little things, uh, very little um, assets. But as you work and you show your faithfulness. God will put you in charge of more things. And that's exactly. What I would desire for each one of you is that we would embrace this view of God does give us um, word uh, rewards. He does give us reward, but it's not always for, for the now. It might be saving a soul, and then you don't see that reward of that till down the road in the, in the new heavens and new earth when um, God's children are all around the great uh, wedding supper and we're just praising the Lord you'll see that one soul that you led to the Lord that's worth more than all the money in the world um, so as Christians in this 21st century we want to embrace this larger biblical view of stewardship what goes beyond church budgets or building projects though those are important it connects everything we do with what God is doing in the world. When we understand God is the man, our owner, and we are His faithful managers or stewards, we must manage God's time, our time well. We must manage um, our resource, our money well, our friendships, our relationships. If it, it's all keys to overcoming in this world and then being rewarded in the kingdom to come, showing ourselves faithful in this world. The takeaway from these four principles that I want to leave with you is that it's all what God has done and it's all the glory goes to Him and that we don't want to forget that God is with us and He knows what's best for His children. So we don't want to be in our hearts coveting are wanting things because really what we don't see is the responsibility that comes or the traps that can be set when 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 we start to look on others and what they have and we desire it for ourselves remember this god knows exactly what you need when you need it and if you're going out and you're using credit cards or debt to try and get things that you desire Maybe that's not even God's will. That's when you're going to find yourself in deep, deep problems. And you will have brought self-inflicted pain on yourself down the road. And really, there's no one. you can't blame God. You can't blame no one but yourself for making decisions that um, cause you uh, years of your life of torment and maybe lost sleep. Um, that's just not what God's will. God's will is for you to be found in perfect peace and have faith and your mind be renewed by the word of God. So I hope these four principles have helped you. Um, I'm going to turn quickly to our...
crazy fact of the day, and I hope it will help some um, college students or those that are thinking of going to college make them realize some realities in life. So here are our facts of the day, and I hope that you, those that are listening, um, will share this with your college-bound or maybe just starting out college student. Um, the first real fact that really was staggering to me um, and really shows that the lack of direction or leadership for young people in today's society is that about 52% of students that start university or college, they don't actually complete their degree. So that's one out of two. So let's say 2,000 students started at a university in their first year that by the time they graduate, only a thousand of those two thousand would graduate with their degree. So half of students, and that comes down to people not having direction. They're not knowing. They're not relying on more and more um, God's leadership to know if they should even go to college. Um, another staggering statistic that um, I was made aware of is that America. Um, in just America alone, um, student debt is over $1.4 trillion. That's a lot of zeros after that. $1.4 trillion in debt. And four, or almost half, four out of ten students aged 30 or less actually have student loan debts. They're still paying off their loans, and they're in their 30s. And if that was me, that means I have a kid and I would have loan um, debts that I'm still paying off from college or university. Thank the Lord I don't. Um, the average student loan in America today is 37000 So that means that they're going through their four years or five years of schooling and they're coming out with about an average of $10,000 in debt every single year. And that average is out to be 37, almost $40,000 already on their, over their heads, which is for most almost a first year's wage and that's if they didn't have any expenses didn't have to pay any taxes or anything and they just paid they wouldn't even be able to pay off their student loans in that first full year of work in being in the workforce another thing that they found was that students that have loan this is all facts students that have loans are less confident about their degree they're less confident when they go to the workforce um, that they're going to be able to get a job because they haven't ever had to work for it. Everything's been handed to them and now they have to make a resume or they have to find that job and they haven't had that responsibility um, of having to take that next step um, and because they weren't sure if this is even what they want to do then, and then they've lost faith um, in knowing what if God even wants them to do this degree and that's why they'll switch degrees they'll do a different degree and it's just a real mess so my encouragement to you from these facts that I've pulled out and um, I'm telling you about today is that if you're a young person thinking about going to college you want to make sure that you know that you know that God is calling you to this degree and don't ever be saying I'm going to school and I still I'm going to college just because I'm going to college because I know I need to go to college to make money that is not true that is a myth I would say that's a, one of our myth busters. We can use that today. Um, it's a myth that you have to go to college to be successful in life. I know plenty of people that have made it just fine in life without a college degree. I'm not saying that college degrees are bad, but you want to know that God is calling you to get a degree before you decide you're going to jump in. And especially, uh, I wouldn't. if I were you, I would really 
pray about and and ask yourself if being a good steward of your time and your money um if that's a good decision for you to go to school and pay and have heaps of student loans it just isn't a good way a good base for starting out your young life and really going out into your own independent life with all these heaps of debt even before you've hardly worked a day in your life so today we are now on our part of questions and answers and today we have two very real questions that I would like to discuss and try and answer um, and if you're in a similar situation you can try and apply it to yourself so hopefully this will help somebody um, the first question is um, I'm single and I have about ten thousand dollars saved up I'm worried about taking the next step in my life and getting married any advice would be helpful thank you so this person um, is a single person. They've they've obviously been faithful. They've saved up. Um, I think this person had uh, just finished their school degree. Um, they had paid. They didn't have any debts. Their parents were really uh, helpful, and they actually paid for a little bit of their schooling. They actually worked though um, as well, and were able to pay for most of their college themselves, which is awesome. And goes along with our facts of the day that you can work um, while you're going to school. And it's proven that if you work while you're going to school that those students are more responsible and actually get better grades, yes, when they work. Because they, they're, they're taking that ownership and they're, they're really trying their, their hardest. They're having to work for They're putting a value on their education. Um, this person asked though they have ten dollars ten thousand saved up so from what this question i'm I'm getting the they're a little bit unsure of how much am I supposed to have and I've had this question before how much do you think uh Tim I need um to get married and my first advice is money should never be an object or a determining factor of when you should get married um that really is a um, uh, something in our society that is pushed and people will tell you and I've heard it from different sources and people that there's r wide ranging numbers to 20,000 to 50,000 to I even heard someone say that the the um, the son or the man should have a, a house already bought and almost paid off before he gets married and when I hear statements like that I really get worried that are we just trying to set ourselves up for success in this world or and passing by what God has for us and as a single person you have to have this personal walk with the Lord um, and it's not all about money but yet and got and have this reality that God will provide for your needs but at the same time you do have to have a little saved up and I had one couple um, that I talked to before they got married and I said I gave them a number and I said around 10 to 15 would be a good a good starter because um, you don't want to have the ring um, that you buy her on a loan you don't want to be paying for that ring two years later still uh, you don't want to be going on your honeymoon in debt on your on honeymoon on credit cards just not and I know people that have done this and if you asked them to if to do it all over again they probably would say we would do it we do it differently cuz it's just not a good way to start your marriage um um when you are going into debt so having 10,000 saved up that's awesome i would just tell you say uh, trust in god and um don't be looking for something even like it's fine to desire to get married, but to wait on the Lord and in His time, um, the right person will come along. That's what you want. You want Mr. or Mrs. Right. You don't want to make a hasty decision on a huge decision in your life. Um, 
But good thinking, you're starting in the right direction. I'd say make sure you stay out of debt like you. I know this person is. They've stayed out of debt. Um, they don't have any debt right now. Keep doing that. Um, living on a budget um, while you're single is, is key. Living simple. Um, not getting too crazy about going out to restaurants with friends so much or buying a new fancy car. Now you got a little money in the bank, I would put that towards a goal, whatever that is. Maybe uh, 5000 a reasonable amount would be 5000 for a honeymoon, 2000 for a ring um, or thereabouts for your wife. Um, and so you got that it starts to add up you're already at seven thousand um that you'll have to pay um to stay out of debt um and so it's good to have about a 15 even or a goal of 20 but don't let that be oh i have to wait till i have 20 before i can get married that that's not good advice and i, I wouldn't give that advice to anyone um so just trust in the lord and and god and he'll he'll bring the right person by your way don't worry um Something to be aware of, though, is when you are looking to court someone, it's good to talk eventually about where they are financially because you don't want to be a big surprise. Uh, me and my wife did. We talked about it, and luckily my wife was able to pay for all of her college through school, so neither of us had students debt. Um, we didn't really have any debt coming into the relationship. Because we were so open and we talked about it, we were able to have a plan in place um, and um, it worked out well for us. So I'd encourage you just stay faithful to the Lord. Remember, you are married. You're married to Christ and you have a relationship with him. So continue to work on that relationship. And then God says in his word that he will add all these other things such as marriage, a house, um, as as he feels that you need it. He will give it to you and supply your every need. So um, we'll have our second question next. So the next question um, is a little bit different. Um, uh, it's a little more deep and it has a lot more parts to it. You could talk about it for a long time and you might disagree with some of the advice I give, but that's all right because we all have our opinions and thoughts. Um, but uh, this person asks, I have $30,000 in my bank account. Currently, I'm making 0.01% interest. What would be your advice to manage God's money that he has entrusted me with? And this kind of goes along with our stewardship this, um, topic that we've talked about today. And I would ask you, what do you think this person should do? Uh, first, my thought, my first thing that comes to mind when I read this is that um, it's uh, this person, if uh, they have any debt, the borrower is slave to the lender so they need to kick debt right out the door with this 30000 Use some of that money to get out of debt if they have any debt. I don't know if they do, but they have $30,000 parked in a bank account, um, and it's making 0.01% interest, which in my opinion, and this is just my, my thought, is that that's kind of like the third servant, and the master gave him talents, and he just buried it. Um, because 0.01% interest really is nothing. Like you're not making anything. You're just putting it somewhere because it makes you feel secure. It makes you feel like um, something's happening. Like you're not going to lose your money. and So you're putting it into a bank. Making very, very, very next to nothing. And my advice is that is not a very good management of God's money. Um, so I would encourage this person, they have $30,000 in the bank. First, pay off any debts. They didn't say if they had any. So pay off any debt that you might have. Become 100% debt-free and then never look back. Never let debt come back into your house. 
um, and you will prosper. Um, the second thing I would tell this person if they have paid off their debts is to have a separate savings account um, set up and that would um, be for emergencies. If something comes up unexpectedly and that was in our last podcast, we talked about how a lot of people don't even have $500 um, and um, if emergency happened or tires went out unexpectedly or your car had a, a repair, they automatically would go on to their credit cards or consumer debts or pay, uh, get a loan just to pay for little things that come up in every month. There's always an emergency or little things that come up. Um, so to have a separate account and if you make less than $20,000 a year, which is most single people working part-time, to put $500 in there for when something comes up, you have some extra cash that you can pay for it and not have to go into debt. Um, if you're making over 20000 I would encourage you to try and get that number up to a thousand so this person has already thirty thousand so I would have that thousand set aside um, separately your debts are paid off now you've got uh, a buffer for emergencies and then after that I would set up a three to six months savings um, for you and your family and that for me and my the way that was for us is we lived on a two thousand dollar budget so i did uh two times six is twelve and so our our uh, long-term savings in case something were to happen is about twelve thousand dollars around there um and i try to keep that buffer for um the family when something it would happen then we would have a little bit so we're not having to go instantly the next month into debt so it's just a secure a way that you can use god's money um keep it make your family feel safe secure it's very important when you're you'll find out when you're married that um you, your family needs to feel like they're safe and that nothing's going to happen but that you you've got a little safety net i would call it um the next thing and this is where some people are going to disagree with me but that's fine um is that you should start investing in your future and that uh looks like uh retirement um accounts and people uh, a lot of people they are like well we're never going to retire the rapture is going to happen and and that is true and i believe that but um if God doesn't come, there's one thing that's guaranteed, and that's mean, and that is that you will get old, and that you will need some way of means of living when you get older. You won't be able to work your whole life unless that's your plan is to work your whole life. Um, I recommend Roth IRAs, and a Roth simply means that it grows and it pays, and and then when you withdraw it, you don't have to pay any tax on the gains, which is amazing. Um, if you can. Um, if you needed to, though, the Roth does allow you to withdraw funds that you've put into it and um, not have to pay any penalty or fees, which most people didn't know. And I only a couple months ago found out that I could do this. So it's an awesome tool to, to save up for retirement. You're allowed to do $5,500 a year. Um, and personally, I would look for a company um, that uses, that pays, very. you have to pay very little low fees. Um, not target date funds. I, I did one of those way back before I was informed of better ways of uh, investing and I did a target date fund and what you find with those is that there's so many hidden fees it can get up to five six percent that is eaten away every time you deposit money into your investing account so what I would do is and I've done now is I I work with betterment they're an online service and they may actually make you pay only fees on what you make with your money and they also 
um, are less than 1%, like 0.25 or 0.15. It's, it's really super low. And it's a good way to manage God's money that he's given you so that you can have more of that down the road. And I would remind you that investing is long-term, this person, so not looking for gains in the first year or two years, but looking long-term. And when I say long-term, I mean more than 10 years at least staying in that account. Because the longer you keep it in, the track record on, the st on stocks and on investing is that um, you will see growth over a 10-year period uh, the stock market has averaged uh, 10 to 12 percent um, which is way better than 0.001 in your bank account so um, as long as you're fine with putting a little bit of money I would start doing a monthly uh, amount each month into a IRA that's what I do uh, and I'll just tell you personally the way I figured out how much I wanted to put in my IRA was from um, when we had our mortgage payment on our house, we paid about 300 and something dollars in interest. And then once that payment was and debt was kicked out of our life, now you have all that extra money every month in your budget. So what we were able to do was, and what I did was just take the interest that I was already paying in within my payment, I took that money and I just simply turned that into $300 that went into my IRA every month. So that was... One way to look at it, maybe once you pay off your house, or maybe not your house, but maybe a vehicle or something that you had in your over your life, think of all that money, the interest. Look at your statements that you have loans on, and look at the interest that you're paying every month. And that interest, if you add it all up and you put it in an IRA over 30, 40 years, you could have a nice chunk of money for retirement when you um, get older if the Lord tarries. So something to think about. Um, the last thing I would encourage this person is, um, you might want to think about saving up for a long-term goal. Um, since you have 30000 maybe putting 10000 in another savings account um, and having a goal of, say, I don't know, 50000 or 80000 um, to put a down payment on a house. And uh, my recommendation to you for buying a house would be to know if you can afford one is to put a minimum of 20% down. In, in the U.S., if you put down 20% or more, it actually saves you um, PMI, which is mortgage insurance, and you're not paying extra money to the bank because, let's be honest, the banks have enough money. So why would you want to give God's money that he's given you to the bank? That's a big question that I would ask you. So uh, to think about the more that you can save up on that down payment, um, then the greater or the less, sorry, that your payment will be. So me and my wife, we were we saved up and we had about 40% that we were able to put down on our first house. And that really helped us because um, um, our payment was so low it, that um, it was easy for us to pay it off even sooner and quicker because of putting down so much up front. So that could be a goal for you as well with this 30000 There's so many things you could do. The worst thing you can do, man... Uh, I think it's a man, yeah, that had 30000 in the bank, is to just leave it in that 0.01% interest. That is not using what God's giving you for God's glory, especially if you have debts and you're paying money to the banks every month. That's just money, free money. It's like throwing $20 bills out, out the window. So I'd encourage you to find ways, uh, whether it's investing in IRAs for your future, a little bit of that, and also saving up for either a new car, pay with cash, or... Maybe it's buying a house. So those are my uh, answers to help you on this question. I hope that will help somebody. Um, we'll have our prayer next, and then we will have um, a, sh a song by uh, Wes Ardeal. Lord, I want to be a witness for you.
So maybe we could just bow our heads and we'll ask the Lord to bless our week this week. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for the many blessings that you've given us and for I know that each one of us, our prayer is that you would help us become true stewards of what you've given us and and I hope this podcast has helped someone that they would be able to shape their lives by self-control and that they'll know by the help of the Holy Spirit that they can have full confidence that Jesus will say on that great day, well done my good and faithful servant. May we be upright, Lord. May we be honest and true. May we be the kind of a Christian that would be a credit to the community, Lord, that we would be able to be men and women that you could lay your hand upon and say, my servant, uh, behold, this is my servant in whom I'm well pleased, I'm delighted in, and I want to send them, and they'll go and they'll listen to me. Lord, that's our desire and our prayer that today that we would be stewards, that we would be servants, that we would be sons of God or daughters of God that would be led by your spirit and be led by you. We grant that this blessing be on everyone and that you'd help us to find ourselves thanking you more for what you have done in our lives and and looking for what we can do to help others, Lord. We we thank you for the opportunity to praise you and may you through this song, <clears throat> this prayer and this prayer. I, Lord, I want to be a witness for you. May it just touch someone's life and may they have a desire to continue to serve you or maybe give their heart to you if they haven't already. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope this song is a blessing. And uh, right after this, we'll uh, sign off for the day and we'll see you next week. Um, so God bless you. And here's the song by Wes Jill called, Lord, I want to be a witness for you.
that's willing to learn about the God oh, that frees the soul. Just run to now, and He will make you whole. The Lord, I wanna be a witness for you. that's your desires to be a witness for the lord and may you have a great week this week let me know how this podcast might have blessed you or helped you in your life and we will be back with you next week uh the plan is to speak on the economics uh the treadmill of economics so have a great uh week and we pray god's blessings on you